Yeah. Um, and your book that we're discussing today is titled Flash Count Diary. 
And mm-hmm. it examines the stigma and the shame uh, attached to female growing up, <laughs> uh, yes. aging. Um, so menopause, um, uh, you know, which Darcy sees as a channel through which, you know, new realms of, of life and growth um, are achieved. And it's kind of like a, a new frontier, um, both for our thinking about what it means to be a woman and for our experiencing of our, you know, of our womanhood, because it's the first time in our lives when, well, it's not the first time. It's the first time in our cognizant lives <laughs> uh, when we we are free from our reproductive work, you know, so mm-hmm. we are free from the gender definitions. Um, and I think that, you know, when, when, when we're children, we have this false impression, at least in the West, that we're the same as the boys. And then mm. we hit puberty and it's like a huge cultural shock because we're mm. seen differently as sexual objects. And we are kind of like expected and compelled to present ourselves as sex objects, you know, and we have yeah. these new like breasts and butts and and, yeah. and attributes that, that seem falsely empowering, you know. <laughs> they They seem to give us power over like, you know, men, let's say, or reproduction, but in fact, they're like the hack, you know, that, that patriarchy has to, to get us, you know, back in our place. Whoa. <laughs> and um, so, yeah, I, 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 I feel that the way that you discuss it, at least, you know, it's exactly that, that, you know, discarding like the reproductive self, we, mm-hmm. we enter a, 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 the time of like coalescence, right? Which is mm-hmm. a, a time of balance, finally, where we are, but mm-hmm. our body and our mind can like find a, an equilibrium, right? Mm-hmm. That, that was missing, you mm-hmm. know, through our whole like uh, adult or sexual sexual lives, and we can you know try to unite like our masculine and feminine selves or our bodies and our minds you know be be allies in in uh, to our bodies you know um, in ways that when we are sexual objects and breeders we we just can't so easily so. Um, you know, I, I want to say like my, my first book was, as you know, you know, when I was like 21, 22, I wrote mm-hmm. a book about this struggle between my body and my mind, you know, the mm-hmm. struggle mm-hmm. between my body's erotic desire and like my, my mind's commitment to reason, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. and I just could not reconcile the fact that like every, every so often my body would make itself, you know, uh, unbearably known. <laughs> <laughs> by wanting to like, by wanting to be sexual when like my mind was busy, you know, <laughs> and <laughs> I had better things to do or what, you know, so, and that really was resolved for me with menopause, you know, that seesaw, like that, that, that kind of like vicious cycle, right? Um, and also for me, menopause had the blessed effect of like relieving my, my, my migraines, my incessant, you know, migraines. So, and I had always had like a version of like hot flashes and mm-hmm. biochemical like explosions anyway in <laughs> my body. So mm-hmm. it didn't really, you know, feel as, um, as, you know, painful, um, as, as, you know, some of, what you're describing um and i was tired of like cycling interminably you know so like it was just <laughs> i was i couldn't wait i couldn't wait for for it yeah it just yeah it, it, it felt that i would finally be able to you know 
be a, a equal, you know, be a feminist, let's say, you know, because yeah. our mind is so, well, it's, it's taught by the patriarchy. So it's inevitably like more masculine. And then mm-hmm. we have this body that, you know, is a hundred percent feminine and, and, uh, geared toward procreation, but we're mm-hmm. not, uh, you know, told that in words. Right. <laughs> right. In the discourse. Yeah. So that's right. a disconnect. Anyway. So that's all I kind of like have to say as a means of introduction. (laughs) So tell us a little bit about your experience with it, what led you to write the book and the responses to the book. Yeah, well, let me let me first say a few things about the wonderful things that you just said, because I I feel like I want to respond to that a little bit. Right. So um, I feel I agree with a lot of what you're saying. I feel the one thing I do feel is I feel like. to say that, like, to say that I've lost my reproductive, or that we, you and I together, right, have lost our reproductive function, I don't think it's completely true. Like, maybe biologically we have, but yeah. I actually feel, myself, I mean, I feel myself, I mean, I'm able to nurture different projects and different people in ways that I would never have anticipated when I had the, res- the full responsibilities of being a mother, like, right, like, in raising my daughter. So I feel like that's quite beautiful, actually. Like, I think, actually... I don't think menopause ends mothering. I think it just expands it. Yeah. 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 I think that's quite beautiful. And then also, um, um, well, that was one thing I wanted to say. Based and, it on expands, and it expands, you know, sexuality for sure. You know, yeah. like oh, my whole just, life, you know, sex came with a dread of like getting pregnant. <laughs> yeah. That's, yeah. That's very, very yeah. beautiful. Able, I mean, not to have to worry about getting pregnant is a really yeah. big thing. Nobody really, I, I have to say that I've, I've, like, you're the first person that's mentioned it. Like, nobody talks about it, you know. I mean, everybody, I mean, maybe a few of the women I interviewed talked about it, but very, in the popular media, nobody talks about the advantage, actually that advantage, you know. I mean, probably just because it's, it's been so debased to something negative, you know. And then the other thing I wanted to say is, like, you know, in your earlier introduction when you were saying, you know, nubile to, you know, I actually feel very, like, Maybe like I'm not traditionally nubile the way I was when I was 16, but in a way I feel very like I did when I was like 13, you know, when I was before I menstruated, you know what I mean? I feel very connected to that, like that little girl that wanted to like save the seals, you know what I mean? She, you know what I mean? She really wanted to help yeah, the world. Yeah, me too, me too. Yeah. yeah, I feel very connected to that. So in a weird way, you're prepubescent, you, you go back to being prepubescent. Um, which I think is very, like, very powerful, right? Like, like, I feel like you're reminded of how powerful that state was. Like, you were so anxious. I mean, I was very anxious to get my period and to become, you know, you know, join the, you know, the female sexual world. But I think menopause reminds you of how powerful it was to be 12. You know what I mean? Yeah, and and how idealistic. Yeah. Yeah, totally, totally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think that's really true. Yeah. and Those our things. mothers, like my, you know, my grandma, immediate, when she hit menopause, she slept in separate beds from my grandma mm-hmm. in the same room, but like forever yeah. after. Wow. <laughs> and my mom, of course, you know, was given a hysterectomy by her, you know, gynecologist because she yeah. had like the intermittent bleeding. And, you know, I had, to, I underwent a biopsy, which I regretted of, of the uterus, you know, because they're like, mm-hmm. oh, no, this is not normal. You know, it's, mm-hmm. it must be cancer. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> So yeah, like I, I think what you, you know, what your book does, and and that's why I recommend it so highly, is um, 
that it takes it out of the place of like illness or, or therapy or, you know, uh, and, right. and brings it into the, the space of like health. <laughs> yeah, and, exactly. And, because I actually think that's really helpful to me to, to hear you say that because I feel like that was my, that was part of why I did it because I, I like as I, I researched and, and talked to women and, and I myself went through it. I realized that it's not, a, I mean, menopause is not a disease. It doesn't need to be cured. I mean, you, each woman has to make her own choice as far as like what she wants to do about it. You know, whether it's exercise, hormones, you know, therapy, young lovers, you know, whatever, but like, it's not like something to be cured really. So that was very strongly as I started my book, I realized how messed up menopause was like, you know, at least in the American culture, it was like, really treated in a way that was completely wrong it's a natural female phase just like puberty just like birth you know it's no different than these other female phases at all you know but it's been stigmatized so incredibly you know it's just kind of amazing in a way i mean i think it really shows the power of the patriarchy the fact that it's been stigmatized so strongly because i actually think that in a the idea of like the young sexual woman is very important to the patriarchy. But I also think that when we don't, I mean, we don't really, we, we like male attention still, but maybe we don't, we're not under the, you know, the sort of the power grip of male attention of, of finding fathers for our children of being like loved in a certain way. I mean, we become really powerful when we're outside those things. Right. So, so stigmatizing menopause is definitely a way to debase women who are coming into a very powerful period, right? Yeah, I agree. I think that that's when we can finally, uh, you know, fully access like our feminist power because we don't, yeah. you know, we don't have to be torn and rushed and trying to like juggle, um, yeah. you know, motherhood with, you know, catching up with the boys at all times in, in the competitive, like, you know, corporate marketplace or w whatever. Yeah. Um, exactly. And, and, you know, like whatever examples we do have of women in power, you know, notably have all been postmenopausal, you know, like mm -hmm. Madeleine Albright or Ruth Bader Ginsburg or like Indira Gandhi or like Thatcher or, you know, um, yeah. Golda Meir, you know, like I can't think, you know. All of these women were, most of them, like, you know, they were either widows or mature women who had pretty much right. finished taking care of their children. Yeah. Right. So yeah. it, it's kind of ironic, uh, you know, I think that um, so many of us, at least in this m moment in our, in our culture, so mm -hmm. many, you know, resist the optics of aging, you know, mm -hmm. um, and, and, I, and I understand, you know, it's, the, it, it, it's not vanity, it's just that we see ourselves, you know, through the male gaze, like there is no... Mm -hmm right, female gaze. So we don't know what yeah. to make of this like wrinkling face, you know, yeah. in, in the mirror. So I, I think that a lot of women, um, you know, will will take advantage of everything that, of course, you know, male dominated, like, you know, medical um, <laughs> industrial complex basically offers, you know, everything from like right. surgery and, you know, lifts and shots and yeah, lots of hormonal therapy and like yeah. staying on on the pill many many years. You know, prolonging like falsely prolonging right. your period and but you know wait, all kinds I, of hacks. Yeah, but I really wonder though if those. I mean, my feeling is 
I mean, I'm not against, I, I just feel like women have been judged enough, like any way you want to do it is fine with me. But I do sometimes wonder if some of the strategies that have, like, have been employed really work. You know what I mean? Like, does it really work to get a facelift? I don't know. You know what I mean? Like, I would I love think to it see- works. I mean, I've had friends, you know, it works for yeah. sure. For sure. It works. Uh, is like it- works in what, but works in what way? Exactly. So does it change their lives in a way that's uh, practical? No. They don't, you know, they don't like, let's yeah. say, mate with people who they wouldn't have otherwise or any, right. any or get jobs they wouldn't have otherwise. So right. it's simply about this idea in their own heads of who they are and feeling good about themselves. And again, that's where like the male gaze, which is all we see, you know, like yeah. the, the movies, the screen, like everything shows yeah. us looking beautiful in a very particular programmed, pre-programmed yeah. way, right? So... <laughs> But I guess if it makes them feel better, I would be for it, you know, I mean, for them, you know what I mean? Because I feel like that's fine with me. But like, I guess I wonder sometimes, like, I sometimes think the strategies when we're sort of 45 and up, like, I sometimes wonder if some of the energies that are, are, are um, spent in preservation, you know, could instead be spent in like expansion, you know, or or dilation, right? You know what I mean? Yeah, I, I just don't think preservation is necessarily the way to go. You know, I agree. I mean, because it's <laughs> an illusion or a delusion. You know, you're not preserving yeah. anything but like the epidermis, basically. Yeah, <laughs> and everything yeah, yeah, yeah. within is still doing its own. You know, but yeah, right. <laughs> right. Right. so yeah, yeah. Uh, and I, and I think that you know it's ironic that it's really you know. The prison, like the jail cell of how we're seen, is not that different from the jail cell of like, what will people say that we, you know, rebelled against, right? Mm. Like I grew up, you know, you can't say this, what will people say about you? What will, right, what will people think? And now it's like, you know, how will people see me? In a way, mm. we've like exchanged one for the other, but we, yeah. we can get out of like the, you know, the basic trope of, yeah. of this setup where we're the ones looked at, you know, we're the ones uh, on, on stage, right? We're the ones who have to perform. <laughs> yeah. um, I, I, I don't know. I mean, I, per- I personally, I support it in my girlfriends because I want everyone to be happy, as you said. But totally. when, when a, a, a woman who has been a role model, like Madonna, you know, makes herself right. unrecognizable and plastic. I, I don't. I'm, I'm, I'm saddened, you know, by it because yeah. of what it says to like millions of other women, yeah. you know, like us. I feel about it. I mean, I feel. I mean, I have to say, I don't know. I mean, I don't know, don't know anything about Kristen Wiig, but I adore Kristen Wiig. But I know. I when saw she was that. On, when she was on Saturday Night Live, I'm. Huh. As you started live, I think I think she had some work done. I'm just like, no, not Kristen. She Wiig. was not funny anymore. Well, and also I think she was very stiff. I don't know if it was Botox. Yeah. I mean, maybe I'm wrong, but I just really felt like no. She had a ton of work done. She was unrecognizable. I literally had yeah. to Google her, and also was she wasn't funny. And also funny, funny people like they don't, you don't. I mean, also humor is so much based on aging and death and mortality and like. So, but I'm, I just want to agree with you, like you're to see, because I feel like when I see Kristen Wiig or when I see Madonna, I don't feel empowered. I mean, I don't know, like, I mean, at one point I did see, I did feel empowered by seeing Madonna, 
Like, right? Like when she. Oh, yeah. She, when we were young. Yeah, younger, oh, my God. Yeah. She's naked all the time. She's yeah. great. Like, I mean, like. The sex um, book. <laughs> he's amazing. Book, yeah. Like, yeah. But I don't feel empowered when I see Madonna now. I just, I just feel, I just feel kind of sad. I don't really feel like she's making a great. I don't really feel like it's a great message for what the second half of life is like just to stay, stay as close as you can, like physically to the first half of life. Yeah, I mean, in what yeah. way, especially what way? may I add, especially if you're hetero, <laughs> I mean, yeah. you know, especially if you're still, you know, uh, sexual with like the, the male gender, which then yeah. confirms a hundred percent, you know, it's about how you want the boys, you know, the, the, to see you. <laughs> yeah. But, but the thing is, the more sexy, I mean, I've been with my partner now for a long time. So like, I, I, I don't have experience of that, like as far as like trying to attract people or whatever, but, and I do sympathize with that, but, but I also feel like what's sexy, like actually what's sexy is like authenticity, right? Do you think? I mean, I'm sapiosexual, and I like, think the people who are attracted to me also are. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so but people, it's your, you your, know. your authenticity, right? Like, it's yeah, not like, yeah, yeah, I think that yeah, I would like yeah. to think it's my intelligence. <laughs> yeah, I think that's true. I yeah. would argue true of, of, like, sexuality in general. I mean, maybe there's, like, fake sex that's sort of based on, like, what someone saw in, like, a porn movie, and, like, it's all, you know, staged and fake. But in real life, like sexuality is based on that little energy of life, which you're going to have more if you're fully embodied in your body, if you've accepted who you are, if you're not like, a, you know what I mean? Like th that's what makes sex alive. You know, I mean, that's what makes sex like numinous is mm. real is realness. You know, it's not fakeness, you know, it's the so, ecstasy. I mean, yeah. <laughs> now we're getting I mean, into the metaphysical part of your book. Yeah. <laughs> But I'm confused about that too. I'm like, if, if your if your aim is to have good sex, I still I, I don't think that these strategies are that great for that either. You know, so like, it's I not. It's all about. It, that's what I'm saying. It's about yeah. the screen. It's about our yeah. relationship with the screen. Yeah. And, and, you know, for some women, definitely, you know, there is the trauma of having, you know, of divorce where they you know, they, their husbands divorce them and then marry like younger, uh, yeah. you know, much younger women. And so yeah. they, they fall for that trap, <laughs> yeah. you know, you. instead of like going through like the ritual of liberation, you know, that yeah. they have just been given a, a, a great opportunity to like not I, serve the dude right. anymore. <laughs> you know, I hear. They, yeah. they they get into the contest, you know, like uh, yeah. like the the Miss America <laughs> pageant mentality. <laughs> there's no doubt about it. I mean, there's like you've been hurt. It's just hard. It's like very very hard. It makes me sad that women have to go through that. You know, but that's yeah. a reality. Yeah, that's that's yeah. well. But yeah, again, it's the movies and you know what we yeah. watch and what you know. I mean, that's mm -hmm. that's you know what we're exposed to so yeah um anyway uh i i think that being open about you know the options and about the power that comes like you are writing mm -hmm. about from you know just celebrating it and looking mm -hmm. forward yeah. to, to it and yeah. you know moving into the future with it instead mm -hmm. of like resisting uh, that's, you know, that's what we, we get a focus on. So to bring everyone along, because 
you know, it's like millions, millennia who've, yeah. who've, who've been, you know, objects that we have to push yeah. against. Right. Yeah. Right. yeah. But when you think about it, though, like your your the years that you were fertile will be less than the years that you weren't fertile. You know what I mean? Looking at women's life, like maybe okay, maybe even if you maybe if it even happened to you at thirteen or fourteen, it's only about thirty years, right? And then hopefully right. we're gonna. I mean, hopefully we're gonna live another. I mean, hopefully I'll live another thirty or forty years, right? Yeah, that's beautiful. That's beautiful. I mean, kind of expanding time like that. Yeah. Yeah. But I don't like the idea that like that's our most important time because it's like it's just ridiculous. It's just like it's not as long as the rest of our, our life. It's just one phase of our life. Yeah. And it's really, yeah. really just sexism that makes it seem makes, you know, like makes the culture tell us that it's the most important part of our life. Right. Yeah. And once and once those years are over, then we're we're sidelined, which is just basically just bullshit. So, yeah. 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 And also, like the you know the old trope of like you know maiden mother crone, <laughs> and yeah. it's like wait you know like when does mother become crone? Because that seems <laughs> yeah that seems to be unclear. Yeah, so yeah, I, I, I mean, think that I mean I would be happy to be crone. I have I have a lot of friends. You know, I have this one friend, this wonderful woman like Rachel Pollock. She's a a trans woman and she's really embraced the crone, you know? So if like the crone is going to be like this incredible mystical place, I'll go there. <laughs> you know I, mean? like, I just am not interested in the idea of like the hat, you know, like the sort of shell of a woman, the has been woman. That's the thing that I'm not interested in. Um, but like basically, cause I think it's kind of a lie, you know, it's, it's not even really a reality, you know? I mean, I always remember when I read, um, Jermaine Greer's book, The Change, which is, you know, I mean, Jermaine Greer is so problematic because she won't accept, you know, trans women, which is making me crazy. But um, but that's the best book that I could find about let hear about the transition about menopause. But at the end of it, she has this beautiful long passage about she goes up in the woods with her dog and she sort of says, like, when you see a woman and like like an old woman and her dog, do not feel sorry for them. <laughs> <laughs> that is the highest that yeah. is the highest place yeah for that's <laughs> right i get them right okay, here. Get the old Two of them. Woman, like walking like with uh -huh. her dog that is the highest spot that yeah. is nothing to feel sorry about yeah. and i just love that so much because i'm like she's so right you know what i mean yeah. like like let's bring that forward more that idea you know yeah 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 exactly you know what else is freedom you know actually i had this conversation yesterday with a friend of mine and he was like you know describing a a, a young woman uh, in the consciousness community and he was like you know she's very free she's always you know arguing for her sovereignty and i was like uh, is she is she hot <laughs> And he said, yeah. And I'm like, she, she's not free, babe. <laughs> I'm like, is she married? Yeah. I'm like, okay, wrong. <laughs> you <laughs> already, you know, yeah. So the bondage, whether it's to your children or your, you know, it's like ultimate yeah. freedom is that. It's the woman, you know, in the woods with her dog. <laughs> not accountable. <laughs> you know, and, and also like, you know who was on this before was like Gertrude Stein said, you know, it said like a woman and her dog is a family. Yeah, for and sure. I think that's so, that's so beautiful too, right? That's so beautiful, right? And it's so true, you know? Yeah, I get chills because, you know, when I, when I came to America and I was barely 15, you know, I came from a very, very traditional, 
Greek island and yeah. my mom got married, of course, when she was a virgin, because my dad asked for her hand in marriage from her dad who gave her, right? So like, for sure, her, her you know, first night, like her honeymoon <laughs> uh, was some sort of like what we would call now marital rape because she didn't know anything about anything. She had never been taught about the facts of life. And she stayed with my dad her whole life. And so did my other female ancestors. So uh -huh. all I had seen was women like cooking and cleaning and serving and upholding yeah. the household. None of them worked in my family ever. Yeah. And, um, and, 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 you know, actually, first my dad inadvertently, because he didn't have a son, um, you know, gave me this, this opening up because he would always say, let's leave like the women and children behind, you know, forget the women folk, come with me. So, because yeah. I was like sm smart, I guess, um, and I, you know, I read early, uh, he kind of allowed me to be like, you know, a boy, I think you had a little bit of that too. But when I came yeah. to America, I was yeah. taken in um, again, like what an amazingly happy, blessed accident. I was taken in uh, by this woman who was a librarian and she had a dog. Mm. She lived with her mm. dog. She was divorced. She was in her 50s. She was... She was yeah, she was had a grown grown daughter. Yeah, she was free. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. I can, I mean, there has never been. It was such a culture shock, and I thought this is an option. <laughs> She'll just like throw the dirty clothes in the hamper and then throw them in the back of the car and drop drop them off at the at the cleaners. I was so like, great. ha ha. That's so great. Yeah, it's so great. She like drink her you know, scotch and smoke her cigarettes and just talk yeah. to me about philosophy. That's <laughs> great. But you, but you know, it makes so much sense though because we live in a patriarchy that like those very profound you know, like acts of freedom by women have been debased. You know, that's, I mean, that's the kind of woman that like, like would be really debased, you know, right? Like she's all by herself. She can't get a man, you know? And it's just like, it's really terrible that the main, the main women that are the most free are debased. Like, right. Like as, like actually the last kind of woman um, that you want to be. I mean, I see it in my friends from high school. It's really hard. Like I'm not in touch with them that much. But their main thing is self-preservation, you know, whether it's their bodies, they're obsessed with planking all the time and like just really their bodies, the way they look, but they're mostly except, you know, they want to just stay at around 47, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> it was but th this idea of like the freedom of the later stages is just, it's, I mean, it's sad in a way because they come from a place that they haven't had many models, right? But it's 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 completely foreign to them. You know, I mean, completely foreign to them. You know, so so yeah. I, I hear what. You're yeah, I mean, the Golden Girls was a nice show. Well, we had yeah. it, but we forgot it. <laughs> I know, but the Golden Girls. There's a lot of stuff on the Golden Girls there. There's a lot of fans of the Golden Girls. Yeah. You know, gay actually, gay men also really love the yeah. Golden Girls. Yeah, I mean, there's I mean, the gold. There's something to the Golden Girls, like friendship. I've actually been thinking a lot about friendship too, and how important friendship is how important female friendships are oh yeah that's the whole like rising like, feminine yeah friendships are so friendships are so important you know like yeah. i mean not that your romantic relationships aren't important too but in a way friendships they have a stability and a depth that is quite profound yeah. i mean when you we've known each other for 30 years you know i mean to think that you have that expansive time that you've seen people change and grow and you've sort of 
like been able to hold space for them. You've witnessed it in them. I mean, that's yeah. like really a profound yeah. thing. Yeah. And also yeah. being loved unconditionally. I mean, how yeah. often can you, you know, how can you get that in any other way? You know, like 90% of love in our, in late capitalism is transactional, you know? Yeah. So to actually have these, you know, women friends yeah. who love you no matter what, you know, whether you have money, you are in the middle, you know, you're broke, whatever, yeah. they don't care what you look like. That's like real. And support yeah. you through all your, yeah. as you face. Yeah, no, I'm really, I've been thinking about that a lot lately. I mean, I also think like COVID is interesting time to think about friendship because like, like taking a, I mean, here we're still very much locked down and we're still wearing our masks and, but taking a walk in Prospect Park with your friend, with your mask on, you know, that's the highlight of my week, you know? Yeah, that's what I do too. I walk on the beach yeah. with a mask with my friend. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but it's the highlight of your week and you just realize, yeah. you also realize that it's like, it's not really, I mean, not that I don't love like fancy dinner parties and all that, but in some ways it's a really good highlight. You know what I mean? Like, like it actually is sort of the center of life in a way, you know, to talk to your old friend and to walk in, you know, among trees and to like hear her problems and like you tell your problems and your struggles. And like, there's something just extremely meaningful and beautiful about it, you know? Yeah, I agree. Plus you discover like new vocabulary, you know, you can retell your narrative in ways that like you can't at the dinner party where you're yep. competing for like attention or whatever. You have very short bits of time at the dinner party. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so my mother's grandmother, my mother, my daughter is named after my mother and my mother was named uh -huh. after her grandmother. Her mm -hmm. grandmother um, was the village, um, you know, midwife, but also herbalist and she hmm. would cure everyone. So her husband was like the butcher and everyone would come to her for like spells and herbs and teas. There was ah. no doctor in the town. And, wow, cool. and so she exactly, you know, she exemplifies exactly what you're saying. I yeah. feel that with urbanization and the nuclear family, we lost that. But up mm -hmm. until then, you know, that yeah. natural progression that started maybe with the hunters-gatherers, like, went on for thousands of years. Yeah, also before, I mean, and, I think it's I think it's definitely modern, like, the nuclear family, but I also think it's technology. I mean, before, like, I mean, when you... A lot of the reading that I did, I wasn't able to fit this in the book, but about early you know, anthropologists going to community, <laughs> communities, over and over again, it's like the same thing happens. Like somebody, like the person who's come to study the 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 group says like, what what's, is this plant poisonous? And then somebody says, go ask the lady in the last yeah. hut. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And that's yeah. like at the 95 year old yeah. lady. Right. You know? so, I mean, I mean like, yeah. like before you could look stuff up on your computer, you yeah. needed a person, you know yeah. what I mean? Oh no, my, yeah. my great, great grandma, what she was, she was, she died in her hundred and some years. No one is sure, but you know, somewhere after 105. And so wow. did my grandma Eurydice, she died at 107, wow. I think. Wow. So, yeah, you know, but that's, those are people who never left the, the place of their birth, right? I mean, the, the, the town where I was born still has the name and the location that where it was, as it was named in Homer, in the Iliad. So wow. that continuity, you know, allowed for this. But then in the 50s and 60s, you know, everybody migrated and dispersed. Or, and, you know, then since then, yeah. that, that kind of like continuity of wisdom has been broken. Yeah, it has been broken. I mean, I think that's where you feel like when you go, I mean, I always was amazed when I first went to France. That was the first um, 
you go to the pharmacy, right? And you're just like, oh my God, they have herbs. Like it's, it hasn't been broken. Like they, actually their herbal knowledge and their medical knowledge, they realize it's one. You can get both things at the pharmacy, right? But for us, it's much, much different. I mean, for us, it's been just like, I mean, I think it's both sadly that we had to come to America then so much was lost. I mean, I mean, even dumb, even not dumb things, I think they're important, but things like how to make good bread, you know what I mean, was lost. You know oh, yeah. I mean? oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Also, how, how to also, survive without refrigeration. Like all of her recipes yeah, were pre-refrigeration. Like, <laughs> yeah, but all these amazing like skills that the Europeans had were sort of lost. But, but also I think that, um, I don't know, the idea though that like the earth the earth where you like came from was not negative. And I think a lot of Americans, I think because it was hard when we started out here and we came and we sort of like conquered the land. I think the idea of living with the environment is not such a thing that, you know, like it might be in like other places in Europe. You know what I mean? I think it's, it's more about, I mean, now we're getting back to that. We're getting back to foraging to herbs, but I think the idea that, your medicine might come right around from the area that you live. I mean, that's like, that's completely gone away. I mean, yeah, that's like, yeah. Well, yeah. I think you, you do address that in your book, you know, which is like the, the ultimate challenge of connecting of, you know, of wedding, you know, of the weave of weaving together, like the ancient and the modern, you know, right. So taking all those lessons and bringing them in as part of like the rising feminine, while right. we bring in the 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 gains that feminism with its right. access to like male reason, right, has has yeah. earned yeah. for us the the you know the bringing together of those that seem like a dualist, you know, like an antithesis, but mm-hmm. they're, they're not, you know, finding mm-hmm. the way where they connect and unite, I think, is mm-hmm. the way to move forward, especially like in yeah. climate crisis. Time. I agree. Yeah. yeah no. I mean, also like seeing what that, I mean, to see what's come before as far as scholarship goes and like the history of it. And then to sort of see where we're at now and like, I mean, we're at kind of, I mean, we're at a terrible time, but we're also at a kind of an amazing time where like, you know, a lot of the ways that people have been, they're looking at, I think people are looking at them more. And yeah, I'm hoping that menopause like will be part of that, but you know, they'll be part. I I think it is. I think menopause is like quarantine, you know, it's like. I'm interested in the book. I think partly because people are like, but people are always really surprised. They're like, what? Like you're, you're saying this isn't the most terrible thing in the world. It's it's kind of amazing. And to also my editor, I had this really wonderful editor, Sarah Crichton. He's just like just amazing editor. Um, She's left FSG now. Now she's the head of like Houghton Mifflin, but she said that when she previewed the book for the sales reps who are all, you know, they're all, you know, she said like there was maybe they're four. <laughs> well, they're all young men, right? Like, and she said it was like she had farted. <laughs> you know what I mean? She like, she said they were so, hor- they like could not talk about it. They were so uncomfortable. And I just thought that was so amazing that even right now, you know what I mean? In 2020, you're going to have a group full of people that are so uncomfortable because that's certainly not true of books about childbirth. 
I mean, maybe there's like some aspects of childbirth that, that people aren't interested in, but they're not going to be like grossed out by it. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I don't know. I mean, I still find that lots of even feminists, you know, but for sure the, the guys, you know, are grossed out by the truth of, of like, you know, awake and conscious, um, you know, rite of passage, um, uh, birth, you know, like yeah. th that's why also like birth has also been medicalized for so long and we're told that you know we should make an appointment <laughs> and plan our birth right and have the doctor like, right. put us out you know but the real birth like it's warrior like you know it's bloody that's, and it's smelly birth. and you're screaming oh. and you're sweating and you're just no, like tearing your body up open <laughs> yeah, you're completely out of control yeah. During, like, yeah it's it's a so huge like, yeah. like i think it's a huge rite of passage and i think that yeah. um you know menopause in a way is the same it's on the other end and it's equally like you know it's equally um no, you know no, no, not quite shamed as as um you know presumed <laughs> yeah you know, we presume it, but there is no need to discuss it, you know, and yet if we don't discuss it from the place of like uh, empowerment, biological empowerment, like you were saying with the passage into, you know, uh, granny wisdom. <laughs> yeah. Right. Then we, yeah, yeah then we don't evolve. We Some doctors push women onto hormones without giving them another chance of just seeing what it's like without it. You know, I mean, right. I definitely struggled. Yeah. I definitely. I definitely had um, sleeplessness, which is now, now I sleep fine. I definitely had a lot of hot flashes. Those have gone away. So it was hard and it was a struggle, but I'm through it now and I did it without hormones and I feel sort of great about it. You know what I mean? I feel like I, I like I experienced, I mean, that's my other feeling, which I know is not a very popular feeling in America because America is like, <laughs> you have a, like you have a symptom, take a pill. Right. But, but my feeling is like, what menopause is in a way is it's like a graduate school for the body. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah. like hot flashes, hot flashes, sleeplessness. I mean, there's a reason you're up at night. You're up at night so you can do a life evaluation. Like, right? Yeah, exactly. You know what I mean? Like yeah. you're, you're up at, these symptoms are there. I mean, there's no, the body does not do things for no reason, right? So, yeah. so in some ways, these things that people, that women think of as unpleasant, my experience of them were more like this is like a graduate this is like a wisdom graduate school right yeah it's very pleasant it, it it's it's terrible but i learned a lot from it you know yeah. i mean i learned a lot from going through all that like i i wouldn't be the person that i am right now if i had tried to shut it down with hormones right so like yeah. i so i wanted to say i mean it's a little bit proselytizing um so i want to say that that for me, it was a good experience. Though, as I said, I yeah. talked to so many women. Everyone's experience is different. Yeah. Some women, some women have so many hot flashes. They're so debilitating. They feel like they want to go on hormones, and they should. I mean, they should yeah. get help. I have. I really don't want to say one thing or the other is wrong. I mean, now they make. Well, they, the, they, the other thing that we should touch upon is that it is a, a perk for the financially capable, right? So you do have to pay for whether it's bioidentical or whatever you're on, you know, majority, like working yeah, class women have women, no access to it. Yeah, in the and, majority of not go on hormones. Mm -hmm, for that reason, because it's a, yeah, you, know, you have no. to pay for it. And on the other hand, to be, to play devil's advocate 
from a different point of view, you know, uh-huh. I think that, you know, this kind of like chemical, uh, artificial, you know, insistence on, on like uh, whatever youthful vitality or like pro- yeah. prolonging <laughs> yeah. of, of, our, of our productive years is robbing the next generation from like getting their turn. I mean, that's, I think partly... Yeah why we're stuck with like all these, uh, you know, uh, leaders in yeah. their 70s is that yeah. they get the shots, you know, they're all pumped yeah. up with like the testosterone and the estrogen and the per- whatever they are pumped up with, you know. Um, and th- this is not like natural. <laughs> yeah. I want to see people in their 40s. <laughs> they, they can make, I mean, now we know enough about hormones that um, they're so much safer than they were in the 50s and the 60s, you know, like, 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 there still is definitely is a link between taking hormones and breast cancer, but it's very, very small. You know what I mean? It's like, but there is still a link. I think it's important to remember that as well. Like, even though it's like, it's like just a couple percentage, actually percentage points. Um, so we know so much more about them. And so it's, a, it's a more vi- like a more viable option. But the thing that I guess ultimately as a writer who wrote this book, who, who was sort of like, in some ways, my book was like a book of, you know, phenomenology about the menopausal body. Mm. I almost have, I do have a philosophical problem with taking hormones in a way. Cause it's mm. like, it's like it debases a process that's quite powerful and meaningful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, so that's, that's what I would say. Like, and, and that's almost like symbolically, I think symbolically it debases that, which I think is a problem. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, I, individual women like like again your choice should be your choice but yeah, i do think always like like when we think about menopause and trying to move it toward a place of acceptance and joy hormones is a pro- like you're taking hormones are a problem in a way right the base because they debase the passage I'd like to talk uh, about uh, perimenopause which mm-hmm. does remain even more mysterious than menopause <laughs> and which you right. know, many women experience without realizing they experience so they don't you know they go to all kinds of other doctors you know neurologists they undergo a lot of testing for symptoms that range from like you know vertigo to you know backaches to you know right. it's just kind of in and in uh, the range is so vast depending on every woman's body that right. it becomes really hard to you know predict and 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 you know put in like a sentence yeah 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 but perimenopause basically is a stage that can last like five years i think up to five yeah. years before you know menopause so menopause officially is when you haven't uh, had a menstrual cycle for a year right, right. yeah right so what right. did you discover about, um, you know, I mean, perimenopause? I, and- I don't really have a lot of, I don't really have a lot of um, memories about my own perimenopause, probably because of like, like you're saying, like nobody knows what the freak is going on. I mean, I do remember like crying a lot all of a sudden, like, and then having really weird periods, like heavy and then nothing. Um, yeah, that was, that's definitely, like, that's definitely a tell. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, like not, like myself yeah but i remember a lot of crying and a lot of anxiety that's the thing i remember because i remember thinking like i think i mean i i've had long relationship struggle with like depression and and you know usually i don't have to be on any depressants but there are times where i just think for my mental health it's important for me to jump on you know mm-hmm. and i always jump off as soon as i feel like able 
but there was a little, there was like a year in there where I jumped on. Cause I was, I can, I can remember my GP just saying to me, like, you're just so miserable. Like just jump like, and but I think that probably was perimenopause, you know? Yeah. But it, yeah, but I don't know. It's hard to know like what, yeah. what. I mean, I, I definitely felt it, um, a little bit like my, my time of pregnancy. And I think it yeah. is an equivalent because our hormones yeah. are, you know, like crushing and, you know, then, ra- you know, soaring and then crushing. Yeah. So this thing, um, totally. if, you know, if we don't give it space, um, yeah. it seems like a form of insanity. You know, I, I remember that too, that I, I felt like I can't think, you know, I can't like, yeah. you know, I'm, I'm writing because I'm always writing, but it's, you know, there is no like agency. <laughs> Where is my central <laughs> organizational yeah. like functionality? <laughs> I feel really weird, you know? Yeah, it, was, then, it is weird. I have to say yeah. that was nothing compared to actual, when I stopped like menstruating, I mean, that was a whole, another layer of like, I mean, then I knew like, okay, something has really changed, you know, like it, like it wasn't just, I mean, I'm not, I'm not denigrating perimenopause, but I'm saying, for all the variance and confusion there, like when menopause hit me, I knew, I mean, like when you start having serious hot flashes, you know, that's like, okay, something is happening for sure. You know, like I knew for sure then, Yeah. you know, yeah. but it's because now, you know, I'm 50, I'm 58 now and I'm kind of more on that. And I, I definitely am like, I run hotter. I have peer, maybe I'll have, I'll have some days where I'll have a couple hot flashes, but it's, I mean, like nothing compared to how it was. Like yeah. it's not as like, yeah. Um, yeah. But I feel more stable now than I have for like 10 years or something or 15 yeah. years. Yeah. yeah. I feel more, I feel more settled. I mean, I still have all my mental health problems, you know what I mean? But like, but as far as bodily, I feel very much like, m- like way more stable than I have for a really long time. Like, you know, mm-hmm. well, really I think time. what I did and I did it like, um, you know, kind of like by instinct, but I didn't really do yeah. it uh, knowingly. Um, yeah, is take time off. You know, which I also did. Well, when I when I when I was pregnant, I was hit by a car in the third month, and I thought I, w- I feared losing the baby, so I you oh know, consciously took to my bed. Um, oh. And you know, at the time, I was supposed to be on book tour, so <laughs> kind of like oh. changed everything. Um, oh, but I- this time around, again, like I remember you know, giving myself that conscious permission to, you know, not to not be productive. Yeah. And and that helped me a lot because my body was doing a lot of busy work within, you know, and I didn't have a vocabulary for it, but that's okay. Like I could feel all the stuff going on. No, it's so important. I mean, I I just read this article in the Times about self-care during COVID and this one woman like this herbalist was saying, the main thing you need to do is expect less from yourself. <laughs> and I felt that to be so fantastic. Cause like that, that's the hardest thing for me. Like, you know, like I'm really hard on myself. I push myself really hard, but just expect you do. Less. You, do. you have that Puritan work ethic, my yeah, love, but, which I admire a lot. But just expect <laughs> less from yourself. You know, like, but, but try to expect less from yourself. You know what I mean? It's okay have a day where like I mean it's hard for me not to work every day but it's okay <laughs> yeah. work for an hour you know what I mean and then you walk around the park and then you you read a book of essays and then you drink red wine you know and then right. you watch a movie yeah. like it's hard for me it's hard for me to feel 
like to feel good about myself, but also to feel like I have my love on control if I don't work a lot, you know, mm. but I want to work less. And I, I really, I mean, actually some of the people that I've admired the most, the writers I've admired the most have really encouraged me to work less. <laughs> actually, they always say like, when you want to write, you'll know and you'll write. You don't, you don't yeah. have to be constantly yeah. writing. You know what I mean? Like you, you should just like enjoy the times, the downtimes between projects. You should like, you know, but it's very, very hard for me to do that. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, you know, again, as I mentioned before, you know, I'm, I'm always writing, you know, like when you look at my desks right, right now, there may be a thousand note, note, you know, notes, <laughs> but that's not like formal writing. That is the yeah. process that goes on. Uh, you yeah, know, and I'm I, I'm okay with letting that go on for a long time. You know, like it, stitching taught me that. You know, like yeah. taking on embroidery taught me the slowness. You know, like a different time than like masculine time. So totally. you know, the, I I think that I'm still you know I'm still working on things that were percolating thirty years ago when when we were <laughs> single and friends. Yeah, <laughs> and yeah, yeah. And that's, I don't have any, you know, that's legit. It's like the way you spoke about time before, which was like, you know, so beautiful. Um, you know, I and, and it's so open, you know, that openness yeah. of time yeah. that takes yeah, yeah, yeah. us out of like the productive time, you know, that's yeah. measured. I, I do think that's another part that's, if we, if I, if, I mean, I'm not sure if I can even access this, but, but like if we can access it, you know, 50 like 60 and up could be a change like in our relationship to time right like that time isn't something to consume and to like rule over and to achieve in and because we're all we're always talking about capitalist time we're talking about that like oh like yeah right time, money and all that right but but there might be a way as we get older to like not not have that same relationship time and that seems to me it's extremely challenging since i'm just such a driven person but like it seems also really I'm fascinated by it. Like, I don't know if I can do it, but, but I want to. Like, I want to have a, a more tender and gentle relationship to time, like, as I get older. You know, like, I want to do that, you know? Yeah, yeah. And I, I think that that's more natural to us. So when we speak of, like, our mental health, I find in myself, you know, at least, that when I feel like, I, you know, when I start thinking, I have these thoughts of, like, failure and, you know, self-hate and suicide whatever you know if I take myself out of my identity of like who I am in the world and I take a break you know then those thoughts slowly dissipate um, yeah but that's because I've divorced myself from the expectations of the world that I you know I've put yeah. myself in and I tell myself, you know, and I think that it helps being a foreigner <laughs> and having like a home and a, you know, citizenship on a little Greek yeah. island <laughs> that I yeah, always yeah. tell myself, you know, I can always like go back there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so it becomes an option. This, I, yeah. you know, this identity is yeah, what that's, I choose. That's usually powerful to me. Like that would be a cool, I don't know if I feel like I have that option. I mean, I always think I do have a little cottage upstate and i think like you know which i i it's very modest but i do we we own it free and clear so i always think okay if things really drop out we'll we'll just go to this little place in the middle of nowhere but, but i don't know it's hard it's hard to i mean i feel like this is one of the more confusing things to me about aging like 
clearly like I'll want to keep doing some projects, right? Like I want to continue to, to express what it's like to be me in the world and, you know, like have ideas and stuff. But clearly I also want to be in the world because I will only be in the world for so long. Right. So I want to like, see what that's like, you know, feel, you know, feel what that's like to just be like, like not, not a writer in the world, but me in the world. Right. But I'm also confused about like, where will my self-worth come from? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, like if, if I, I mean, it's, it's, I feel like that, I mean, those are to me, the challenges of aging is like, I mean, I'm eventually, right. You're probably not going to, you still might be writing, but you're not going to be writing books. Like what's that going to feel like in your whatever. I mean, I hope it won't happen for a long time, but what, like, how will you be a person in the world? like without your literary projects and whatnot. Like yeah, that seems to me, yeah. that, that seems really interesting. That is a huge and very interesting question. And I, I yeah. really think it's something to, you know, work on and think about and write about, uh, yeah. which is what is our self-worth in general, you know, as women yeah. in this, you know, patriarchy and, and, yeah. and, and this culture that seems to like monetize and quantify everything more and more. Like what else totally. is the internet, exactly. if not, you know, quantifying <laughs> and, and oversimplifying. Um, yeah. I mean, for myself, I feel that I am a writer. You know, I've been at, for many years identified as an artist, and that's wonderful, and I appreciate that, but not to myself. You know, I am definitely a writer. I've written since I was like two, basically. <laughs> um, and I always will. I think I will till I die. That doesn't mean, yeah. however, that I understand what the value, you know, there will be a huge body of work, <laughs> yeah. which may or may not be a value and may or may not yeah. like go yeah. out in the world and be. Yeah, I know. That's, <laughs> uh, that's okay, too. I mean, maybe that is maybe one of the end game things is to actually write for yourself. Well, we're scribes, you know, that's how yeah. we, I think sort that's how we process, no? But I, I'm always thinking I am writing my own story and I'm writing out of my own self. Yeah. But I'm always writing, thinking like I'm going to be communicating. Right. Mm. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like not, yeah. not necessarily for like a public, but this, I will be communicating, you know, so to, yeah. to think that there may be ways in which that's not happening. I mean, that's just been such a fundamental drive for me my whole life, you know, but it's just interesting for me to think that like, well how will that change or will that change or i mean you know i always think that you know when i started teaching i had this i was teaching continuing ed you know when i was in my mid-20s i had this really amazing student she it was a, a difficult class though like it was a continuing ed class it was mostly young women in their 20s who were like assistant editors of vogue and things like that like very fashionable um you know i remember there was a story in which a drunken fashion editor was coming home in the cab and somehow she was so mad that she took her she took her agnes b jacket off and stuffed it under the bottom of the chair and everybody in the class <laughs> everybody in the class was like no like you know everybody was so horrified you know but among this group there was this amazing woman she was 85 and she was a holocaust survivor and wow. she was trying to write this i mean she and it was an amazing class because everyone kind of like you know I, I worked hard to make sure everyone could embrace each other you know and not be freaked out by each other but um she really wanted to tell her story you know her story of being in the holocaust her story it in her story of being in the concentration camp and um i remember her frustration because she was getting older her skill level was what it was and she would put a lot of pressure on me in conferences she kept saying to me like you do it like you know you i'll pay you and you write this and I would always say to her, I was young, but I knew enough to say, like, the point is not anyone else doing it, but you. But, like, the point is that 
you're going to try to figure out what this experience meant to you. You're going to make it as clear as you possibly can, as meaningful as you possibly can. And then after that, we'll figure out like, and, and so what we ended up doing is like, she got like 20 pages together and then we had a reading with her family and her friends. And it was probably one of the best literary events I've ever been to. You know, it was very like deeply meaningful, right? Cause she had actually accomplished, like she didn't really need to publish a book. Like she had accomplished what she set out to do, which was to let her, her kids who didn't really understand what she had gone through. Right. Her friends from New York, right. Like who didn't exactly understand her. Right. She was able to explain, explain some of her personal experience to them like what she thought it was to be human so i always keep that inside of me you know, you know she was 85 and i always think to myself okay well that's like the goal is not really to publish the goal is to write but the goal is to sort of like communicate too but the way you communicate can be varied like it doesn't have it can be a podcast like you know what i mean yeah, you can't yeah it exactly it doesn't necessarily have to be like a yeah. certain like book you know what i mean yeah. like but but because that's like the goal is bigger than that in a way, right? Like yeah. the goal of yeah. writing communication. That's what and, I think too. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's an ongoing, you know, discourse, and by writing, we're part of it. And you know, all we have to do is to self-publish or like do like EPUB or you know, yeah, like right, right. you know, your your computer allows you to just throw it all out on the internet, right? In a yeah. I, so it's there for those who yeah. look. But it is part of like a collective, uh, you know, effort, a collective like engine toward evolution, you know, changing the language and the, you know, so yeah. I think that the more we all do it, the better. And, Me too. you know, it's not like my yeah. business to be in charge of, you know, who is like uh, promoted and who, no. and who sells better. And I agree I, with that. I'm glad that it's not my business. Yeah, everything's moving. I kind of agree with that. I think every everybody's writing is moving things forward in one way or another. I agree with that. I think yeah. that's true. I mean, the canon is based on on how time moves forward, right? Like, and what's politically important going forward, right? So a lot of, like, the, the books, I think, I mean, somebody like Mailer, is Mailer going to make it out? I'm not sure, right? Like, you know what I mean? Like, some of the books that people thought were the most important books, the most important writers, you know, times are changing, things are moving. Some people had the, some writers had the foresight to write about things that people will be interested in still now. Some people don't, you know, it's like, that's just, the, that's the way the, like the, like the literary machine works, you know? Yeah, I agree. Yeah. yeah. And, and also like, honestly, um, I think that right now we're going through a, a, a short, I think it's a short lived period but nevertheless, a short-lived period where, like, writing is affected by the digital experience of writing. And mm -hmm. so a lot of, like, younger new writers confuse being a professional writer uh, with mm -hmm. being a creative writer. You know, to me, mm -hmm. you know, a, a professional writer writes copy, you know, writes for speed, writes for clarity. You know, it's like the medium posts, you know, write so that a fourth grader can understand you. Fine. Uh, that's not what I do. I'm not, you know, that's not what I do. I'm not interested in that at all. And that's okay if this, if the production system doesn't pay me accordingly. <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, I know that I'm not that. When I, what's creative writing to me is being part of an avant-garde, you know, of writing yeah. Yeah, yeah. for the future, like writing ahead and yeah, writing things right. I haven't read or, you know, trying to think yeah. 
in you know so th- yeah. creating forward which is what like giving birth which is what creating is you know you take like nine months to make something that didn't exist <laughs> yeah, right. right so yeah, yeah, yeah. you know yeah. so i think that there is like a, a, f- a misrepresentation where like like simplify simplify keep it like easy and clear and and I, you know, that's a little fad, and I, it, mm-hmm. it would pass. Yeah. <laughs> but right now I mean, we're a little in it. Of, yeah, I actually think that, like, I mean, who would who would know there'd be like a this past week there'd be like insurrection. I mean, thank God we had all the protests this summer, right, for Black Lives Matter, right? Like, 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 you, there's no way to know. I mean, hopefully history will move toward things that are liberal and more open, but like like the kinds of voices that are magnified, you know what I mean? Like, it's like, there's, so, there's yeah, no way. So I, I do want to say something to about know, that. Like, mm-hmm. No way to know what books are going to make it out of history. Right. Like, right. I exactly. Mean, even, even I would say, I mean, I love Shakespeare, but I think even Shakespeare, who knows, you know what I mean? Like you don't really know what's going to actually, you know, like what will continue to be generative like for the people that, yeah. you know, that well, come I, after I, I love Shakespeare and he did write during the plague. So, you know, yeah, <laughs> he's definitely an inspiration right now. Yeah. But I, I, I think that uh, what we discovered during this, you know, the, the storming of the Capitol, <laughs> which, by the way, was when we were supposed to speak. And I, 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 was, oh. I was texting you in real time saying, yeah. <laughs> if we wouldn't have done it, <laughs> we can't. We can't, you know, <laughs> democracy is at risk, the demos. <laughs> um, That's true. But... Um, but I have felt for a while now, since the election, since, in fact, Florida, where I'm based, you know, voted Republican. Uh, and since uh, I have, uh, you know, I have spoken in depth with a lot of people in the spiritual and conscious communities who were like the, the inheritors of the hippies, you know, who are like the yeah. burners. Well, like the right. shaman dude right. who will only eat organic food. And somehow they went into queue, you know, unknown through different, yeah. you know, channels. And and inevitably, you know, are supporting the other side, which is, you know, the 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 plutocrats, you know, that's yeah, the, Trump, yeah, yeah. Uh, the Trump side. And I, and I feel that um, we have gone too much in the side of reason that, uh, you know, whether you want to say Democrats or, or our society in general, you know, has is erring on the side of reason at the expense of emotion because a lot of these choices that these people who are now writing are making mm. are a hundred percent emotional. They're like from yeah. the gut, you know, like faith about which you know yeah. a lot and have written yeah. a lot yeah. about um, being the daughter of a minister, right? Um, right, right. So, yeah. So I, I feel that, you know, finding, uh, giving voice to like the emotion or, you know, then the ritual aspect of, of, let's say our side of the progressive side, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. will help balance things out. You know, I think that we've got a little too intellectual and, you know, too, uh, too, too committed to like identity, you know, and 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 words and definition, the right words, you know, uh, and we've yeah. left behind this whole huge, you know, population who you know come from like the the transcendental or or the the ecstatic right mm-hmm. traditions, and mm-hmm. who feel about America the same way that they you know feel about other you know 
ideals, like higher mm-hmm. human ideals, whether it's right. God right. Yeah. or something else. Yeah. That's interesting. I mean, I don't know what to say. It's like, it's a very confusing, confusing time to be an American, right? Like, you know, do I also think that like, it was hard for me this summer because I was sort of like, what am I going to say that's going to be helpful? You know, like, I feel like there's so many, it's, it's so much important. It's, there's so many voices and so many writers. It's so important to people to be reading them and listening to them and talking to them. But then slowly in the fall, I was sort of like, you know, I'm a writer. I'm going to write, you know, I, I just, I just, you know, I can definitely be more sensitive. I can try to be like more inclusive, you know, but like, I'm still going to be trying to, you know, tell stories and think and write and stuff. So like I have to, you know, there's no way around me continuing to do my work, you know, but I found it very confusing this summer. I found like it, it to be like a time of like hard to know. It's like the ground dropped out. Like, what do you, you know what what sh- the, i mean i think it's it must be the way that people feel when time when things change really quickly which is both really exciting but also kind of scary i mean i you know i always had these fantasies of like oh if i was in the 60s it would be amazing and the, but i think now we're really seeing what that would be like i feel like you know what that i used to think oh the transformation was very like like people were cognizant it was happening it was exciting but now i feel like no it was a time like trend like these times are like like times of very fast transformation and transition and they're they're and they're disconcerting for like even the people that want that transition but you know what i mean i mean like i do so like so desperately i want like i want to live in a more free and open and beautiful world you know it's like but i also find it i do find it just to be hard to get a hold you know hard to figure out like who i am and what i yeah where i fit in and what the world well i feel and again you know i I don't have an answer but i do have answer for myself and how i feel about it and i feel that um you know we we went with the system way too much in a sense and we still are you know so i don't practice identity politics i don't see color so I'm done. That's it. Yeah. That's how it's been. That's how it's going to be. I don't mm-hmm. see gender, you know, unless yeah. it's like sexually reproductive <laughs> functionality. Yeah, right, right. right. Um, right. And, and um, but I think that those, you know, those struggles, you know, have been taken advantage of. So even the matriarch that we were talking about, you know, the, the matriarch in modern times just becomes like, it takes on the role of the guy, takes on the role mm-hmm. of like the dead father, so to speak. So mm-hmm. it doesn't matter whether she's a woman or a man, she's engaging in the defense of the system of the patriarchy, you know, like mm-hmm. the generational inheritance systems or, you know, the wealth, the passing of the, you know, wealth to the progeny, all that stuff. Um, right. So, it, you know, we work. it's like we're a, a game of like, changing chairs you know the musical chairs you know where like so we had a a a certain time you know a white president and then we had the president of color and then we had a you know an orange president i don't know you know and then we had you know one female justice you know pass and and she was replaced by another female justice right so i feel that like these optics are are self-defeating 
and mm-hmm. and I feel that you know if if we stay in the same system and don't say and don't change you know the 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 system fundamentally then we yeah. can't move forward you know we're just change it's like you know the soviet union so like the tsar fell and then like lenin and then stalin was the new tsar you know so they yeah. they were not they were not communists this was yeah, not no, what I, marx wrote about but they said there, they were there yeah. has to be more fundamental change no, I agree with that yeah so there is there hasn't been like a fundamental change it's all kind of like we want your job you know no i you know i <laughs> i want to be like on the board of directors because i'm a girl yeah. or you know i'm olive skinned <laughs> yeah. but not wanting that is where to me you know the the step forward right yeah like right saying you know changing I, that whole i agree like you don't want the same things that they wanted or that or the places that they like, you don't want to the same things they wanted. You want to actually trans like form the whole deal. We both came up in a very male world and we, we actually, I sometimes feel bad um, about how much I like acquiesced to that male world. Yeah, me too. I did. Also how much I was like, how much I was like, Oh, George Plimpton, you know, like I, like instead of being just like, this is ridiculous. Like I sort of like, I wanted to be in the world. And so, I mean, I, I didn't do anything that I'm ashamed of, like, but I did do, but I did in small ways do things I was ashamed of. I feel like I wish I had stood up more, like more for the kind of world that I wanted rather than like, and I, I have a certain amount of guilt about that and a certain amount of anger that like, I, I feel I was forced to do that. I was forced to sort of like, I mean, maybe it's not true. I was forced. Maybe some people held themselves away from it, but like, yeah, I was sort of forced to um, like, acculturate myself into this male literary world and i feel grumpy about it sometimes like yeah i feel ways i feel i feel shame sometimes about about it i feel angry that i feel like i had to do it i feel i feel like i always knew it was bullshit why didn't i just come out and say it you know what i mean like i knew when you were listening to like terry southern you know tell his like long boring fucking exactly that it was terrible. Like you knew it, but oh like, Oh my God. Yeah. But part of you, but part of you was like, Oh, but he's an older guy and he wrote all these books and like, I'm, I'm here in this world. I'm so lucky. You know, it's like, so I feel confused about that. That like, that's something, I mean, that's been a real gift. I think this whole me too and everything is to yes. really be like, take a look at the world that I was like socialized in and the world I was kind of, I, the world I felt for better or worse, like, I felt I had to accommodate myself to and think about where, where that was true, what that world really was, what, how, how did I sort of like contort myself to fit into that world? You know, Um, those are things I've been thinking of. I think about those things a lot, actually. I mean, that's why I started the podcast. It was a hundred percent because of that, you know, and, and it, it, we were, we didn't, first of all, we didn't have the words for it and we didn't have, the podium for it. I remember, you know, being like 17 in college or 16 and like my mentor slept with the best looking girls, you know, every, every season, you know, every semester he would like write uh, poems to them about their beauty and that would like make them feel empowered. He was Mm -hmm. a thousand years old already. He had started (laughs) teaching there before I was born. 
And mm -hmm. but you know, Ow. on the record, for the record, he's still there now. So, but yeah. but to, you know, I knew it was wrong. I mm -hmm. wouldn't. Let, I didn't do it. But that's. Um, but that doesn't mean you know. I I participated in this kind of like dichotomy where yeah. my body. I you know, my mind like objectified my own body, and yeah. so you know, this idea we were so forced to be in the masculine world. Um, yeah. You know, that like, I, I felt that I had to, you know, my body was used by my mind in all kinds of like experimental social experiments, yeah. you know, yeah. I was yeah. not integrated. Yeah, I know. No, me too. Oh, yeah. Being accommodating in like different ways and, 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 going with the idea that these were these older white male writers were the best writers in the world and like their world yeah, was the most yeah. exciting yeah kind of and crap. we had to learn from them and i mean yeah. you know gertrude stein was dead and like who else you know kathy i met loved got a quote from her but like she f fell apart quickly after you know kathy acker i yeah. mean like there weren't that many women who were like the type of writer i was looking to mentor yeah. with and there yeah. were you know plenty of men and they uh, and they all exemplified like what we're talking about which is yeah. you know taking advantage of of the perks of having like free sex around so it was one yeah. of the first you know the first like kind of backlashes of the 60s <laughs> is that yeah. you know yeah. our freedom of choice was mistaken by us ourselves as kind of like our freedom to you know, give our, our body around, pass our body around for like attention <laughs> or, yeah. or a favor, you know, right. or intel intellectual I, help. Um, I agree though. I think yeah. we thought that we were free, but, and also it was a time where feminism was being really debased, you know, like the late 80s and the 90s, like. Yeah. 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 Radi was, radical feminism was like, was you know. Yeah. Right. It was a complicated. I've been thinking, but I was, I mean, I, I don't think, I mean, I felt so happy when everything started to move a little bit. Cause I was like, I never, ever thought it would happen. You know, I've had like, I mean, I, I actually had to leave a job because I was sexually harassed and I never in a million years thought that like the Dean would call me up and say, come in and tell your story. You know what I mean? Like it just never occurred to me. Like, right. Like, so I was really thrilled to see, like, I mean, still so much more has to be done, but I was oh, really so much more, so much more, so much more. I mean, my daughter will not, she will not take any shit like that. No, I mean, she, she would be unth unthinkable, but they are the daughters to feminists. So I don't know if they're representative never, of their generation. I think there are she would plenty never, of I mean, girls. she doesn't, she doesn't do anything to accommodate. <laughs> she does not one thing to accommodate. Yeah like male desire i mean i mean really yeah. frankly like, yeah mine too but but I mean, she has many friends who, she has many yeah. friends who do so i don't think that she well no i'm sure that's true but she dresses the way it's you know stylish but the way she wants Same, she, yeah yeah and when you hear when she, when somebody says something or she hears a story you know she's horrified yeah yes yeah. and she's really concerned now with her career i'm just like yeah go you know yeah so it's see like it's interesting to see that that like like she doesn't feel like she needs to kiss up to any man to get her career right yeah but i didn't feel like i had to well i think that the yeah the, again i don't know the right i, I don't want to say mistake i see it as a mistake but i understand that it's a natural part of the process of evolution but uh -huh. you know feminism uh, uh, kind of like uh, encouraged us 
to adapt the system of, of, of value of transaction that was already, you know, happening in, patri yeah. in patriarchy. Right. So right. in patriarchy, a woman's greatest asset is this, right? It's your boobs yeah. and your ass and your right. <laughs> reproductive yeah. possibility. And whether yeah. or not we were leaving it out, we were still like playing the part, you know? So yeah. we had changed like the laws, but we were still right. acting in those ways. This is what I, so it was like supposed to be empowering that you got the attention of like powerful right. men whose attention you wouldn't get without like your bodily assets, you know? Right. And, right. and this confusion of like, you know, sexual exchange for transactional, you know, uh, en enrichment goes on. And I think that's like at the heart of the of the issue with you know with being a, a modern feminist woman in mm -hmm. the world of of patriarchy you know because mm -hmm. it's about uh, the the financial value you know the transaction so yeah that's what yeah. we need to change and that's the hardest thing to change because you know that's like, really hard Three thousand families are in charge of 80 percent of the wealth so of the of the most yeah. wealthy uh, nation on earth well this so is a nice uh, i think natural place of closure okay good because <laughs> uh, it's a it's positive and empowering and uh, good, good. Yeah. So, okay. So thank you so much for, course, thank you. for your time and your, uh, you know, generosity. And yeah. uh, the book again is Flash Count Diary. And right. this is my that, friend, Darcy Steinke. It's just, just out in paperback, so you can get it. That's great. And everyone out there, until next week, thank you for listening and keep speaking sex. Another piece of good news from our sponsor, oldplayground.net. Uh, they have a special right now where you can join for three days for $3.99. Uh, you can start a profile and you can navigate the site. It's the biggest, most inclusive, most contemporary lifestyle website, uh, in English at least, that <laughs> we know of. And you can have your own exclusive content. Uh, there is a big wall with videos, uh, information, uh, podcasts about uh, sex and intimacy topics, and all kinds of open people with whom uh, you can communicate across the country. So give it a try. This is the chance to do so. And love you all. make love incessantly, I would be God.